SequelCast 2 is part of the Batman Podcast Network. For more information, go to batman-on-film.com. Hey, is this really necessary? Can't we just talk this over like civilized adults? You can, uh, I am and I'll text you back. You don't know I am to make the world You've had eight days. This is the people, people. This is the people, and people don't like it. Hi, Mr. Chompers, or you can swim again tomorrow. Welcome to SequelCast 2, a podcast looking at movies in a franchise, one film at a time. I'm Matt Pratt, please, Shurgi, uh, with me is William Thrasher. Oh my god, you're pretty! And uh, this time around, we're wrapping up our look at Ace Ventura with Ace Ventura Pet Detective Jr. This is a direct-to-video movie from 2009, uh, directed by David Mickey Evans, uh, based on a script uh, <laughs> by several writers, by Jason Heimberg, Jeff Sank. And David Mickey Evans, and uh, you know, I was reading some comments on YouTube about this movie, and a lot of people said, "Oh, what kind of director is David Mickey Evans?" But little do they know, he directed what was a seminal uh, children's film of the '90s. Do you know what that is? Uh no. The Sandlot. Oh wow! The original Sandlot. He wrote and directed it, and uh, he got his start as a writer doing some horror horror and science fiction films like Open House and Terminal Entry. Later he did um, Radio Flyer, which was a controversial movie uh, directed by Richard Donner. And uh, and he's done a lot of direct-to-video sequels like Beethoven's Third and Beethoven's Fourth. And uh, he even came back to direct The Sandlot 2. Um, so... Well, that, that makes sense, because one of the really positive things I can say about this film is that it's directed with a little bit more flourish and a little bit more confidence than what this kind of direct-to-video sequel would normally get. And I'm going to say, this this is an anomaly. <laughs> I, I would say, you know, they, they aimed this at, at kids, which I think was a weird choice. But that being said, you don't have, like, inappropriate jokes in here. I'm thinking, you know, of a bad example of this, of... Uh, the Cat in the Hat movie with Mike Myers. Oh, the Dirty Ho like, scene. The Dirty Ho and, you know, all this sort of awkward stuff. And this, it's it's a kid's movie aimed squarely as, as kids. And as an adult, you know, it's, I found it challenging to get to the mindset uh, for this movie. But it's, um, it's well, not that's... people, lack of trying. Like, it's perfectly, you know, I would say the best thing about Ace Ventura Pet Detective Jr., it's exactly what you think it is. And the worst thing is it's exactly what you think it is. Yeah, and I, I, I look at this movie, and I'm not entirely sure that the target—I mean, the target audience might be might be little kids, but the target demographic I feel like has to be people our age who remember Ace Ventura fondly, but have kids of our own. Yeah, yeah, um, and you know, people—you know, now or—you know, I was like in middle school when this came out, and I'm in my. Uh, mid-30s, so yeah, that's that's right on target, I think, and, and this came out 2009, 
uh, direct-to-video wasn't a big deal. Um, it, you know, we can let's talk about the cast a little bit before. Well, before into, before we oh, do that, yeah. there's something there's something I'd like to sure. air. So I, I mentioned earlier this is an anomaly. I am not sure why this movie exists, and I can only think of two reasons. One, this is possibly an attempt at a. This is possibly could have been a pilot for a potential Ace Ventura Junior Pet Detective mm. television series, which I'll have more comments on later. Uh, or the studio uh, Morgan Creek was going to lose the rights to Ace Ventura. They still saw it as a valuable IP, but they couldn't keep it unless they released a movie. And this is the movie they released to maintain the film rights. Well, the interesting thing about Morgan Creek is they're uh, kind of getting back in the business, and one of the properties they talked about wanting to, you know, either do a, a theatrical sequel to or to reboot is Ace Ventura. So it could be we see, you know, a remake or even a sequel with Jim Carrey uh, in a few years. Um, who knows? But on the big screen. But yeah, I, what, what I thought when I saw this is I'm like, hmm, I think they're sort of chasing the success of the uh, direct-to-video sequels to Dr. Doolittle. Huh, okay, they, I can see that. the Eddie Murphy film, uh, they had, um, well, who's, who's the actress? They had Kyla Pratt and Kristen Wilson, you know, the daughters of Dr. Doolittle, doing their own thing. As, uh, you know, you had Dr. Doolittle 3, you had Dr. Doolittle Million Dollar Mutts, you had Dr. Doolittle Tail to the Chief, right? <laughs> and so they kept people like um, Norm MacDonald doing the voice of the dog and all these sort of things, but... It's basically about his kids doing stuff, and Eddie Murphy is nowhere to be seen. So, viewers, if you want to see us do that series, uh, contact us, uh, preferably by semaphore. Right. And, you know, this, I think it, it's trying to chase that. And um, I was pretty amused. I was looking up foreign titles for this film. In Spanish, you know, <laughs> this is called Ace Ventura Mascot Detective. <laughs> And in some ways, this plot is more reminiscent, I think, of the first film. Well, there's there's lots of echoes uh, to the to the first film in this, whether they're intentional or not. Uh, yeah, and I think there's yeah, there's, in a montage at the beginning, in particular, you see a lot of things. But yeah, um, but overall, the plot is this is uh, Ace Ventura's. Uh, Bastard child. No, um, no, he's it's it's not a bastard child. Uh, he was married uh, oh, okay. to Ace Ventura Junior's mother. Because remember, she has his last name. That's true. And then he on, left. He went on a trip and left and never came back. Yeah, it, it comes up way later in the movie than than you'd think. But yeah, he they they his grandfather uh, Rex Ventura takes him up into the attic, and there's a crate. There's a steamer trunk left to him by the original Ace Ventura, and in that steamer trunk are child-sized versions of the original Ace Ventura costume, a pet detective's license, and and this, this I could not tell if this was a joke or not, but there's the only photo of Ace Ventura, and it's Ace Ventura from behind, so you can't see his face holding up, holding up a baby. I think it, that's so... It, it's a photo no one would have. No, and I think it's maybe because they, if Jim Carrey was on screen, you'd have to pay the rights for that somehow. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure legally yeah. they couldn't just show Jim Carrey's face. But it's such like it's such an, like, it's such an awkward photo. It is. And, you know, in the cover you see him dressed as, dressed as Ace Ventura, and you have a, a, 
expectation. But in the film, it's not until an hour into this hour and a half film. That he, to, he to the point where I was mature. wondering, was this a movie that had nothing to do with Ace Ventura at some point, And then halfway through it did, which is why all that stuff doesn't show up until like, the halfway point. It could, and the other thing is, when you have the Ace Ventura character and, and have those characteristics on a kid, uh, you realize what an asshole Ace Ventura is. Because Jim Carrey, as an adult, it's just Jim Carrey, he can, he can get away with it. But a little kid doing these kind of things, it, it, he frequently, you know, it, it tries to do these disguises, or, or yells and screams and points everywhere, and because he's a kid, they just pick him up and toss him right out, again and again and again. That's a, that's a joke that we see in here. Um... And I mean, basically, this movie is a, a very, very simple plot. Uh, his mother works at a zoo, and they have a, a panda exhibit, which are all the rage. And a baby panda uh, from the zoo gets uh, gets captured. And, and his and Ace's mother gets framed. Gets framed, and I did not expect a, a lengthy courtroom sequence, but we get one of those in this film. Neither <laughs> um, did I. There's a lot of things in this movie that I didn't expect, so that's one thing in its favor. This movie does surprise you at every turn. Yeah, and uh, you know, you look at the cover with the. You know, let's talk about the kid. He, I think he tries, but it looks like he's, he's gone out of the business, really. He well, has he's, he's not bad. On such shows as... Um, oh, never mind. looks like he's been doing some stuff, but I mean, he... I don't know. It's been little things here and there. He had a, was in one episode of 30 Rock. Uh, he's been doing voiceover for things like um, Santa Paws 2, The Santa Pups. He's in, uh, looks like he was in, uh, the most recent thing looks like it was uh, Neverland, which was some attempt, probably, I, yeah, which was a web, a LARP-themed uh, web series. And, you know, he's not, he's not bad in this. It's, it's, one, it's one of those things where I feel like when, when this kid hits his 20s, if, if he sticks with this, he actually could be a very good comedic talent, kind of like Keenan Thompson. Yeah, he has a lot of energy. It's it's a bit weird. You know, Jim Carrey is tall and skinny, and his kid is short and fat, and and he doesn't resemble Jim Carrey at all. But he does get the, the hairstyle, which is a big thing. And um, one nice thing I liked about the story, uh, even though I don't think the, the the acting for this character is very good, is you have the grandfather Ventura come in, and he explains uh, this lore that the Ventura family has, uh, you know, helped invent the scuba di- the scuba diving equipment. So people could be closer to the fish, and you know, and there's like Jack instead of Jacques Cousteau, it's Jacques Ventura. And, uh, Jacques and Ventura Cousteau. You find out that all these famous yeah. naturalists from history are connected to this family line. Like Charles Darwin, turns out his middle name is Ventura, and this is this is something that really frustrated me. Um, I. I really, really hate the idea that there's a grand Ventura legacy and that unto every generation, uh, a phenomenal asshole like Ace Ventura is born who has amazing animal adventures. And I don't like that for, for two reasons. One, you really don't need to work that hard to justify this kid being the next Ace Ventura. If the premise of this movie is... A kid is a fan of Ace Ventura, then a pet gets kidnapped and he decides to solve the mystery the way mm. a cinematic hero would. That is all the setup you need. Uh, I think but that's then, a better setup than the labored stuff you get with the single mom raising him and she doesn't want to reveal who his father is and you have this terrible running joke throughout most of the film. But then beyond that... Tech detective, you're a pet, find her. 
but that, that's a running gag that I wish they'd hit harder. Is that is that no one ever says pet detective? They say a different name that means the same thing. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that really frustrates me is once you've established that the that the kid is part of this ancient des- pre- destined bloodline, um, you you take away a hell of a lot of its agency. Like it would it would be better like let let him choose to be a pet detective. Don't don't make him a chosen one. <laughs> Right, it's you're trying to do a Joseph Campbellian mythological structure. Uh, <laughs> it's is, but, but he never turns down the call to action. Yeah, no, I mean, and also, if you're going to set up, there's a whole Ace Ventura family, don't you think you'd have a reveal at the end where all the extended Venturas pop up? That would be or, kind or, of a fun... Try to help him or something, or, yeah. It, that would be kind of a fun gag. But yeah, we o- we only get his his paternal grandfather uh, Rex Ventura, who's just an old man who acts like Ace Ventura, has Ace Ventura hair, and who I was so happy that this running gag paid off. But he has a monkey that rides on his shoulders, but he also drags around what you think is the corpse of a dog, and they yes. really really make it seem like this dog is dead, and he just keeps in his old man way. Oh no, he's just sleeping. But then in the end, it turns out no that that. Dog corpse really was just asleep. That dog saves the day later. Mm-hmm. That's a that, that's a good bit of business. And um, on the other hand, you know, I think of, I was talking about this with some friends the other day at the bar. Uh, Ace Ventura, the especially the first movie, I would say, is a pretty hard PG thirteen, and you know, you know, sex jokes and him being a ladies' man is a big part of it. And when you water it down and have his his son doing stuff. Um, there's a lot of the the bite, a lot of the the zip to the character is taken out of it. Yeah, I, I, as as raunchy as they go is like a handful of uh, of ADR fart jokes, and they seem pretty obviously they're put in after the fact because he has his dog named um, Oxnard. Oxnard, yes, and uh, that dog's farting all the time with ADR farts. And no one really comments on it. Um, but this, I mean, yeah. So well, it, tur- it turns out the panda, the panda kidnapping is an. It's not an isolated incident. Rare pets have been vanishing all over town, and you know, Ace, Ace Ventura Junior. Uh, tries to. He 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 wants to help. He really cares about animals. And there's a really endearing scene early on because the movie begins with him saving a mouse from a mouse trap uh, at the uh, at the zoo, and it, it, there's a great afterwards where his mom's like, "Now give me the mouse," and he hands over the mouse like and the iguana, and he pulls an iguana out of his backpack and the hedgehog, and he goes through all these animals he's been saving. It's really what? sweet. Like that that yeah. scene really works to get me on on Ace Junior's side, but. When he starts out, he really is a shitty pet uh, pet locator. Yeah, because his classmates are having him look for his pets, and they happen to be rare pets, I suppose, because he does find them all at the end. But it's um, it, but at the beginning, you know, that's a nice. I wouldn't mind if the movie had more sequences like that, where it's sort of you know light physical comedy, and he he steals a churro from a, a vendor, and you don't know what he's going to do with it, and then he takes a bite off, and you're like, oh, he's a fat kid, he's just going to eat it. But instead, no, he sort of bites off the edge and uh, puts it at the edge of this uh, trap so he can take the mouse. Yeah, I mean, he's, 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 a, he's a good kid uh, overall, and I think that that's a, that's a uh, 
That's a better way to introduce his character than the movie probably deserves. Uh, but he's not—he's not the only—he's not the only kid in this because he does have two uh, two friends that end up helping him out. He has his uh, his crush uh, Emma Lockhart, uh, who I like that she gets to be her own Laura, character. Her name is Laura Wilson. Emma. Lockhart. Oh yeah, the actress is Emma Lockhart. But yeah. But then he also gets his uh, his nerd friend, who I guess is an echo to that to that uh, Doc guy in the first Ace Ventura movie, uh, Arnold Plashinsky, also known as A Plus. Yeah, it's a performance that reminds me of um, oh, who's that guy in Superbad? Mc- oh, uh, McLovin. McLovin, yeah, that reminds me a bit of that character, and he he definitely looks uh, older than the other people in the movie, but he. He looks like he's ready to graduate high school. <laughs> yeah, but he he, he he does the part, you know, it's what you think it is. I would say um, uh, part of the soundtrack I, I found fairly annoying is Ace and Laura are, are trying to do, like, they're like skateboarding or doing some shenanigans. And um, on the soundtrack is sort of a, a, a punk song that's like, hey, hey, you really my girlfriend. And, and, it's and, like, it, it didn't it's really more say. ska than punk, but it's the well, worst yes. elements of ska. It's pretty bad. It's like, yeah. There's no skanking rude boys in that song. No, it's just like polite uh, ska, which is not (laughs) what you want when you listen to that sort of... Gentleman ska. Gentleman ska. Um... So can I can I actually talk about that scene? So that that's a, a weird that's like a, a weird thing because there there's there's a chase there's a chase scene uh, at an at uh, in a, a uh, natural history museum that has a phenomenal playground complex attached to it where Ace puts these two rolly things on the ground like what the hell is going on and he steps on them and apparently he's wearing those like roller shoes. And it's kind of a fun chase sequence, and then Laura ends up joining him, and they sort of skate together to escape the security uh, from the museum. And it, it, two things struck me. One, that is kind of a fun scene, but two, those rolly shoes have been around for almost 20 years now. Why is this the first time I have ever seen them used in a movie? I don't know, and I see those, and I think, oh, kids are going to break their ankle with them. I Yeah, but it's... And they don't really work that well is the big thing. Um, but it's, it's for a gag. It's okay. Uh, you know, notably, as far as cast members go, the mother, Melissa Ventura, is played by Anne Cusack. Who she does a great job. The Cusack clan, and she plays it uh, pretty straight but with a lot of um, with a lot of worry, with a lot of concern. And like, you get a sort of what must be a terrifying sequence for a kid where they go and haul her away from uh, his house. Yeah, SWAT team shows up uh, mm-hmm. and 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 takes her when they uh, when the pandas are kidnapped. Um, the the thing like she 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 hits all the emotional beats dead on. I just wish she had. I wish she had more to do than to just tell Ace to be normal and to cover up the secret of his paternity and to then begrudgingly hand over the secret to his paternity. And I, I would think the reveal. I thought it was going to be something more than what it is because they keep on teasing, and she says, oh, I can't tell you, you're not ready. And I thought it would be more than, oh, your father is Ace Ventura, pet detective, and that um, this is why you are how you are, and I was just trying to protect you. And like I thought it would have been some huge bombshell. Like, you also have a little brother that's somewhere. I don't know. 
Oh, so again and again, we're we're all we're all over the place as Ace is kind of trying to solve these uh, crimes. So there's one, there's one thing in this movie that I I, I really liked. Um, so there's this character, uh, Doctor Sickinger, who yes. Ace and his his motley crew start investigating because they think he might be behind the panda kidnappings. And well, for, first he's played by Cullen Douglas. I thought he was Matt Gorley the whole movie. I didn't realize oh, it was a yeah. different actor until I looked it up later because he he sounds like Matt Gorley playing a vaguely German guy. Um, and I, and I don't mean that to put him down. He he does a great job in this movie. But his whole thing is he's the leader of this uh, of this ecological group called the Society for Non Telegenic Animals. And it actually is, it is brilliant. Like, he, he's an environmentalist who who hates that it's the pretty and cute animals that get all the get all people's sympathy. And he wants people to give a damn about ugly, disgusting animals as well. And that really worked. Like, one, one as a comedy premise, it works dead on. But at the same time, there are a lot of, there are a lot of ugly animals that do, that should be preserved and protected. <laughs> So like there's something there's something real in it in addition to it being kind of a silly comedy premise. Yeah, no, I, I thought they were going to use it as an excuse to show the white bat from Ace Ventura too, but no, <laughs> no, that animatronic is lost to time. Yes, um... but he's but he's actually fun, and I like how quickly he becomes an ally to the kids. Like I guess you you kind of always need the goofy adult character that helps the kids out, and uh, Rex Ventura. Does not do it for me, but uh, but Cullen Douglas as Doctor Sickinger does. Right, and um, a lot of the film was filmed at Universal Studios Florida, and you can tell. <laughs> well, especially, well, especially since they enter Universal Studios Florida, and you see their big globe, and they even specify that the the horse from the famous fantasy trilogy filmed in New Zealand, which is how they refer to it, uh, is going to be a part of a magic act at Universal Studios Florida. They call it out by name. And you... Which gives it a little bit of scope, but also feels really forced. And you also... You, you see that, and you wanted to see a fake trailer for the horse from the famous fantasy trilogy in New Zealand. That would have been kind of fun. Although, so we do, so we get some pipe laid in early. Is that uh, A plus has his problems with bullies, but you find out that the bullies steal his candy, so he's been hiding trackers in the candy, so that he always knows where the bullies are for twenty four hours after he's uh, kidnapped or after after they 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 come after him, and that's how he's been avoiding them and sneaking into his lair because he has a secret lair under the school, uh, but. Ace gets one of the gummy worms with the tracer in it. He feeds it to the horse because he suspects the horse is going to be stolen. And wouldn't you know it, the horse is stolen. And that's how they're able to, that's how they're able to find out who's really behind all the animal kidnappings. Yeah, as I said, there's not much to the story, but there is a little bit of detective going on, detective work going on. So it's a bit more like, as we said, the, the first film and the second one. Um, well, I mean, it's pipe that's laid in and then it pays off later. Yes, but yeah, and so that's where so there's a there's a running gag where there's a there's a there's a kid, um, there's there's this uh, rich kid, this smarmy little rich kid who goes uh, who goes to their school, who's having this big exclusive birthday party, uh, and it's so great. The invitations are on iPod Minis. <laughs> 
That's how rich they are. They send you an invitation recorded on an iPod Mini, um, and so yeah, they have to break. They have to break into the party and scout it out. And we get some. We get some good physical acting there. But what what it turns out is that the rich kid's father likes rare animals, and he's behind all the rare animals disappearing. But at the same time, turns out his son because if if there's if if this movie has any theme, it's the sin for, sins of the father. It's how we all are damned to repeat the same actions as our parents. Uh, the rich kid stole ever all the little kids' pets, and you know Ace, Ace rescues both sets. And the rich kid, played by Reed Alexander, I think does a pretty good job. Really, he he just Quentin Pennington of, Jr. Yeah, he nails that smarmy tone. He feels like. He could have been, in a, if he was a bit older, he could have been a, a bad guy in a John Hughes movie. <laughs> kind of. There is, there is that, there is that about him. <laughs> and uh, you, you know, you tried to do this big reveal that um, his his father is responsible, and it, it just doesn't quite work. You think it would be more embarrassing, more over the top? And I, th- I thought that just sort of fell flat. And Brian Patrick Clark as his father is quite good, but it's, it's one. And this is one thing. There's there's some good animal puns when he releases the animals from the from the stables. But there's this thing where Ace Ventura Jr. comes out of the stables riding riding the the horse from the famous New Zealand fantasy trilogy, and like a, a macaw and a parrot land on his arms, and it's it's actually kind of a. a it should be a pretty cool triumphant scene, but you can see in his eyes he's terrified of those tropical birds. Yeah. And it if you watch if you watch the blooper reel, there are so many bad takes of that scene that he is probably exhausted and on the verge of terror. Because those birds look like in the in the outtakes look like they're gonna go for somebody's eyes. Well, let's talk about that. So when I, I just rented this from YouTube, it looks like you got a hold of the disc and looked at some special features. Yeah, I got I got the I got the DVD and I watched all of the special features. And what sort of stuff was on there? Well, I mean, there's there's bloopers, there's interviews with the cast. There's actually a there's a funny bit where it's all the actors in character talking about Ace Ventura Jr. and it's it's kind of like they've been interviewed by the news. And you okay. get some you get some fun some fun improvisation there. Um and the the bloopers are, are pretty cool. The bloopers are the bloopers are actually sort of endearing. It, like it makes it seem like everybody who was on this movie was having a really good time. Uh, there's a lot of the cast cracking up uh, and whatnot. But there's also some there's also some deleted scenes. And there's one deleted scene in the in, in particular that kind of crystallizes this movie in a completely different way. And what is that? Well, what it is, is so at the end of the movie, uh, Ace Ventura Jr. brings the pandas back to the zoo. His mother is exonerated, and everybody's happy. And then there's this ridiculously awkward jump cut to just Ace turning around, almost like it was originally meant to be a reaction shot, and then it irises out on his face. Well... In, there's a deleted scene that's an extended version of the ending that completely does away with that jump cut. And the short version is, uh, during the middle of all the celebrations, these men in black type people show up 
who claim to be from a government agency that does not officially exist that deals with international incidences involving rare animals. And short version is this like rare monkey was was stolen and it could cause some like it could cause some some tension in the Middle East and that they want to hire Ace Ventura Jr. and Grandpa Rex to go with them to the Middle East to solve this monkey crisis. And it's this whole like sequel slash TV series setup. Like it really it's it's as if they're saying this is going to be what the TV show is because they kind of establish all the characters that we've seen before who are going to be part of this mission and how things are going to unfold. And so it ends with him and and Grandpa Max and A-plus and Laura kind of triumphantly, they get permission from Ace's mother. None of the other parents are consulted and they, they, they go off with the government agents to have this other adventure. Like, it's long yeah. as hell, but it's much more satisfying than the awkward jump cut. I bet. That makes sense. So can we talk about something in this movie that does not work at all? Sure. So there's lots of real animals in this movie, lots of good animal acting, uh, which is not something you can say about a lot of films. However, the pandas. The pandas are oh. horrific. Yeah, the they're mother, very cheap the mother animatronics. Well, the mother panda looks like the suit a person wears to sneak into a panda enclosure to have sex with the panda in. And the baby panda looks like they stuffed a baby panda's corpse. It's this ridiculously awkward puppet that barely has any range of motion. And they hardly ever show them on screen, but even that is too much. Right. It's, it's just one of those things where you get, like close-ups even the sounds don't sound correct and uh, you could have just used stock footage or something it's yeah just bizarre i don't understand why but to contrast but to contrast that so dr sickinger goes on this really awesome rant talking about how pandas probably should be extinct and that it's a few it's futile to try to keep the world's pandas alive yeah which i really like because because like it's because it, 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 it is it is you know kind of truthful they 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 fit a very very narrow ecological niche they have a very very restricted diet um they're in they're they're not under any major threats but even but they're still dying out and they and they don't want to fuck and they don't want to reproduce and yet we've spent so many because they're cute we spend so many resources trying to keep the species alive yeah, not only that, they've had, you know, pretty good success having them mate in places other than China. In the Atlanta Zoo, they've, they've had some success with that. Um, but also they have these deals where they China sends the panda to a United States Zoo with the expectation that China gets them back after X amount of years. Yeah, in fact, the only panda beat they didn't hit was pointing out that pandas aren't bears, they're marsupials. Right. Um... Oh, so I want to notice, did you, so the, the, um, the school, uh, that Ace Ventura Jr. goes to, did you notice something familiar about that school? Familiar, um, 
No, it just seemed like a pretty generic sort of school to me. Was it in a TV show? Yes, that is the same campus that they filmed Community in. That is Greendale. Oh, interesting. And in hmm. fact, it's most evident in the in the cafeteria scenes because yeah. that is without a doubt that is without a doubt the Greendale cafeteria to the point where I feel like they were shooting communities at uh, communities in the afternoons and Ace Ventura in the morning. Yeah, and I mean, looking at it, it certainly lines up where um, that first season of Community would have been filmed around the same time as this movie is being made. Yep, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna double check the dates on that. Uh, yeah, uh, both came out in 2009, so they it's it is entirely possible that the cafeteria was being used at the same time. Right. So that that was that was a little thrill uh, for me. It was oh hey Greendale, I missed that show. Yeah, and in fact, um, speaking of that, well, we'll get into that more of what you're watching. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's uh, six seasons in a movie, as they said in a community, but they only got the six seasons. Well, the the movie could still happen. Give it time. If if they don't get their renewal for Rick and Morty, maybe that'll be their side project. You know, I think Rick and Morty, that, they just take a long time to get the talent together for that show. Uh, actually, it's not the case. They're ready to no. go. Uh, car- no. The Cartoon Network has not ordered the, the fourth season yet. They're dragging their feet for whatever reason. That's odd, because they have merchandise everywhere. Someone, uh, they found a picture on Twitter, someone sent me, of um, all the Funko Pops they have related to Rick and Morty. And it's quite a lot. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a, it's a profitable series. It is, and you know, I saw they've done a, a comic book on those uh, superhero characters that were on an episode. Oh, yeah. Just the Vindicators. Those sort of a spinoff. Um, but yeah, Ace Ventura, uh, Pet Detective Jr., it's it's okay, it's fine, it's, you know, every, everyone tries. A little kid would, would probably like this, I would think. It, it doesn't insult your intelligence, but doesn't do much to stimulate it either. It's um, it, I just feel like, had it not been called Ace Ventura, I would have liked it better. Do you, do you remember uh, Blue Moon Entertainment? Do they do the Puppet Master movies? Uh, well, no, they, their their parent company, Full Moon, Full did. Moon. Oh, but Blue okay. Moon was a a a uh, subsidiary that specialized in children and family films. And what this movie feels like to me, more than anything else, it is all it is exactly the kind of kids movie that Blue Moon would have made in the late nineties to capitalize on the success of the blockbuster Ace Ventura franchise. Mm. Uh, they just wouldn't call it Ace Ventura. It would have some... It would be like, you know, Dickie Bobblehead, uh, Pet Finder. Like, to the point, yeah, where, like, the Pet Locator would probably be the title. Um, so, in a weird meta way, the, the movie is kind of perfect. But that being said, sequel, no. It's... It's it really it's only worth watching as a curiosity or an anomaly. Uh, it's it's despite the talents involved, the movie itself just isn't that good. I, I mean, it really does read like a bad pilot for a t- bad TV series. Yeah, I, I would say as well. Um, sequel, no. Um, yeah, you know, I could again, I could see this. I agree as a TV show is uh, pretty could be inspired and have some fun things with different animals. Uh, I, I did. Sort of like a gag in here. He uses a skunk as a weapon. I thought that was something I would have liked to see more of that. But yeah, well, after using one of his own farts as a weapon against a skunk, yes, that's right. Yes, 
Him and his dog, in fact, they fart in unison, I think, to... Or is that for a different reason? They fart a lot. No, no, that happens. That does happen, okay. Your memory is accurate. Good, good, good. Um, but yeah, this this movie is, yeah, just okay. Not, not great. I would not recommend it. Um, and speaking of which, you know, the, the next uh, episode, um, a sort of a crossover of sorts. We're gonna but no, it is a crossover. Oh, yeah, it is a crossover. So um, it is the final episode from season three of... Well, no, it is not the final episode, my mistake, but it's a crossover episode of... Uh, Ace Between Ventura. the Ace Ventura animated series and the Mask animated series. And it looks like it's a two-part crossover where one is the Mask and one is Ace Ventura. So, so we'll have we'll have something approaching feature length to talk about. Yeah, so we'll have to get the links to that to get that working. But yeah, um, I did not realize the Ace Ventura Pet Detective movie went on for three seasons. Because the Mask I was well aware of as a cartoon, um, and that even got a video game, um, and that was on for three seasons. I mean, we'll, we'll we'll probably talk about it more when we do the crossover. But I I I believe I know exactly why you weren't aware that the Ace Ventura show lasted three seasons. But I'll save that for when we do that episode. Yeah, I did um, make uh, the mistake of watching some of the Dumb and Dumber cartoon, which is horrendous. <laughs> All the worst aspects of two stupid dogs, with none of the biting social commentary. I would say at least the art style was kind of different. I mean, very lazy it, looking, but it—it it was very strong, powerfully designed. The the yeah, the yeah. look of the show was was it's truly its own amazing thing, but nothing else was that good. And um, gee, that I'm just looking at the logo for the Ace Ventura cartoon. Yeah, should be interesting. Uh, yeah, that's what we'll talk about next time, but uh, I have a question for you, Thrasher. Is it when are we going to do Pitch a Sequel? Yes, which is right now. Uh, <laughs> pitch a Sequel. Um, I, I think what I would do is, I would pretend this movie is a success, because I, I do think there's some value in Ace Ventura as, as a kid thing, because kids like animals and broad comedy, yada yada, so I would do a... Um, a crossover movie with Ace Ventura Jr. in the the newer cast of the Three Stooges. Huh. So Will Sasso. Will Sasso would be in there as Curly, and the, maybe that's the thing: is it's Ace and Curly, and then at the end you have the other two Stooges pop up, and um, you have a, a situation where Curly has a oh has like a, a pet hedgehog or something that <laughs> is is found he wakes up his pet hedgehog is dead Curly goes to the mailbox and he opens up the box and um, he sees a a toe from his hedgehog in a threatening note and um, he's walking <laughs> around and he sees all these signs posted to the 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 wall of the his the cafeteria and all these things about Ace Ventura Pet Detective. So he calls him and he, he's, you know, there's some business. He's like, oh, you're a kid. You know, all sort of that stuff. And they team up to find his, his uh, hedgehog. And what they find out is um, Curly's hedgehog is of, of a, such a breed of uh, such virility that he is being taken apart piece by piece to be cloned. <laughs> the, the uber hedgehog 
and um, he would have some sort of at some point they have to fight like a deformed Frankenstein monster of his hedgehog, um, and and you would have uh, a mad scientist I think as as a bad guy, and it would just be called Ace Ventura Junior the Whole Hog. Goes whole hog, I think. No, I like that. I love that title, tying in hedgehogs. What's uh, what's your pitch of sequel idea? So my pitch of sequel. So you know, we we mentioned you know Ace Ventura Junior's father is is the Ace Ventura from the previous two films, which they unfortunately do not have the courage to just outright kill off. Uh, or, yeah. Or, or have him abandon his family, which seems far more likely. Ace is a phenomenal asshole. Uh, so what they say is that when uh, when Ace Ventura Jr. was a baby, uh, Ace Ventura went on a mission, and it led him into the Bermuda, Bermuda Triangle, and he vanished. Um, and I find that completely unsatisfying. So what I want to do is I want to have uh, Ace Ventura, Laura, um, A-plus, and Grandpa Rex, they're having globetrotting adventures saving animals, and uh, they are trying to find out who has been uh, abducting whales because there are whales that are going missing in uh, in the tropics, but like nobody's whaling them. They're they're just vanishing. So they're trying wow. to find out. And so uh, short version is they also get lost in the Bermuda Triangle, get shipwrecked. But the island they're shipwrecked on, they find all sorts of evidence that Ace Ventura was at one point on this island. So they have this island hopping adventure. Uh, and they end up finding they end up finding uh, the original Ace Ventura. So we'll get Jim Carrey back, uh, and uh, he'll be wearing a crazy beard, and he'll be living on this. Uh, he'll be living, you know, kind of like uh, kind of like Tom Hanks in Castaway. Only he'll have he'll have every kind of ball used in sports. He will have one as a companion, and he has ridiculously complex relationships with them. Uh, and several of the balls are animals. Uh, but anyway, um, the whole deal is you find out that it's actually Ace Ventura is responsible for the whales going missing. He's been riding the whales the way a Fremen rides a sandworm, and he's created this offshore whale sanctuary, which just so happens to look exactly like that floating city from Waterworld. Okay. And so it ends with a big. It ends with a big reunion um, uh, because you're not you're not going to be able to get Jim Carrey back again. Jim Carrey, uh, you know, wishes his son well, but he's going to stay in the preserve, caring for these sea creatures. Uh, but you know, the the mystery is solved. He tells Ace Ventura Junior. to go out into the world and tell his story. Uh, Grandpa Rex will die. We'll give him an awesome death scene where he saves a whale from some uh, whalers because that's going to be the thing. Um, poachers and illegal whalers do end up finding out about the sanctuary and they do assault it. But when Grandpa Max dies, he dies like a Jedi and he fades away. And we in fact do see him as a ghost giving a thumbs up, as well as all these dead uh, historical Venturas, including. John Ventura Moore, who some of you may remember from Sam and Max Hit the Road, who was, in fact, a real naturalist. Uh, and so uh, it'll end with uh, with Ace Ventura Jr., uh, his uh, Laura and A-plus coming back to civilization and just in time for his bar mitzvah. So it's going to end with a sequel set up for Ace Ventura Jr. becoming a man uh, with his bar mitzvah. And I really want to see that happen on film. And what would it be called? Uh, this one would be called uh, 
Ace Ventura Jr. 2, Ace Ventura 4, A Whale of a Tail. I see. So, uh, yeah, now I'll move on to what you're watching. Um, you know, speaking of community, I was watching uh, this original series on Netflix called The Joel McHale Show with Joel McHale. I'll have the meaning to check that out. Yeah, what it really, it's exactly the same thing as the E! Show that Joel McHale really got his start on. Many people got their start on. Uh, oh, the soup. Talk, talk soup. Yeah, the soup. And um, I think my favorite part is they have a segment towards the end where they look at TV shows from different countries. And the the music for that segment is you have like bagpipes and every and didgeridoos and everything, all these instruments playing simultaneously. And it's a really oh. atonal, horrific piece of music with a really tacky logo. Any um, Vuvuzela's in there? Yeah, there's probably Vuvuzelas in there. Um, <laughs> you, know, you know, one bit was showing um, a trend on Korean soap operas, how it, they had a lot of characters getting hit by cars, and they did sort of like a, a super cut of that. There's, of course, you know, Japanese game shows. Um, there's, uh, there's like an Indian uh, soap opera. Um, so, But a lot of interesting stuff. It's funny. Uh, the only thing I'm not crazy about, uh, one of the executive producers is Paul Feig, or Feig, I don't know who. who no, it is. It is Feig. Feig, okay. Who directed *Bridesmaids* and the 2016 *Ghostbusters* film and all sorts of things, and they they work him into these really forced sketches where he's in the audience doing something, and I don't think those quite work. Huh. But it's it's funny. It's short. It's to the point. I think each episode is like under 30 minutes long, um, and. In the true sort of smarmy fashion, every time they mention Netflix, it plays the boom boom Netflix sound. <laughs> and in the pilot in particular, they mentioned Netflix like 20 times. Boom boom. Boom boom. So, um, uh, what have you been watching? All right, well, I mostly watched Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. I've been curious about that. What do you think about and, it? And I, I say mostly because I ended up watching it way later in the evening than I should have, and I kept falling asleep and waking up. Um, so overall, overall, it is a it is a perfectly entertaining film. The cast is really, really good. They have some great comic bits. I laughed out loud several times. I think the the movie the movie only really has two flaws. So the kids who get pulled into Jumanji, which is a video game. But that premise is not as hackneyed or out of nowhere as, as you might think. Um, but I, I wish they had done more to make the kids a bit more unlikable or give them bigger mm. problems. Because they the the all the characters do have kind of an emotional character development arc, but they start the movie so close to the resolution of that arc that it doesn't it doesn't have enough impact. They they should have been, they should have enhanced the characters' flaws to make those arcs a bit more meaningful. But two, so in this one, the Jumanji they get stuck in is a video game, and the whole thing runs on video game logic to the point where characters have multiple lives and certain conventions of video games like apply to the world they live in. Um, to the point where there's actually a running gag where NPC, all the NPCs only say a very limited selection of dialogue, no matter what you say to them. Um, but what makes it... If, okay, so if this is a video game, it's the world's worst designed video game. Is there a lot of animals in it? Because I recall, you know, the original had all the 
rhinos charging through the house there, and all those things. There are a lot, but it's mostly CGI. Okay. Um, and I, I was amused, I totally forgot about this movie, that um, we had a movie in, in 2005 based off a book that was considered a sequel to Jumanji called Zathura, even though there's really not any similarities, except it's the same idea, but science fictiony. Um, well, it's based on a book by the same author. Yeah, and, and the, that author calls it a sequel to Jumanji, but it's more of a spiritual sequel, so to speak. Uh, did you, any nods to Zathura that you could remember? Uh, not, that, not that I saw, no. Okay, and it looks like there might be a, a third, or whatever, a, a follow-up to this new Jumanji movie, because this, this new one has been really successful. Well, I think... I think it's it's inevitable that there's going to be another movie in this series because both Jumanji films made a shit ton of money. Uh, it, it is now a very firmly established franchise. And you could get a lot of mileage on the idea that every movie, it's a different cast of characters pulled into the game. My, my only hope would be I would love it if, if the game changed each time. So the mm. first one's a board game. This one's a video game. For the third one, like, why not make it, like, a tabletop role-playing game or something? Like, change the genre of the game. Or, or maybe, like, make it, like, a, a, a different kind of board game like Catan or something. Just really... And really lean into those conventions. Because a lot... I mean, some of the best jokes in this movie came from the fact that they're in a video game. I, I want to see that same type of parody applied to other genres and other forms. Um, I was stumbling around YouTube and I found a funny sort of rare video of um, from the mid-90s. Tim Curry uh, did a spoken word original song written by Mark Shaman uh, that he called Rather Rude uh, oh. to Billy Crystal. And it was a uh, Billy Crystal got a GLAAD award for, um, although Billy Crystal wasn't gay, I guess, being... Um, well, you can get an award for being an ally. Yeah, yeah, I think it was that sort of thing. And so it was an original spoken word song by Tim Curry in the mid-90s. And it's uh, saying, you know, it has lines like, uh, he doesn't he doesn't catch, but I heard he does pitch. And, you know, it was very, um, very, very silly, but I found that somewhat amusing. And it's, I don't know. I just don't see you don't see a whole lot of Tim Curry anymore after his stroke. So I was having fun watching uh, vintage Tim Curry things. Cool. And, you, uh, you've ever seen him sing the uh, the zucchini song? No. What's that from? It's 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 an old. It's actually it's an old standard. It's an old music hall song. But there there's a recording. He did it on SNL when he hosted, uh, like in in like the early '80s. And I've never been able to find a clip of that online, but you can find, uh, he did record it. And so I believe on YouTube, you can find a recording of it. It's called like, it's called like the zucchini song and it's him with a thick cockney accent telling the story of a flower show and a particular contestant who enters the zucchini and every verse is a different person talking about how big the zucchini is. Mm. And it's just so great. Oh, what a beauty. I've never seen one as big as that before. It's such a lovely color. So nice and round and fat. I've never seen a zucchini grow quite as big as that. And like everything is a double entendre. It's a, it's a really funny bit. And like Tim Curry's the best person to perform it. Yeah, you know, I think one of the, as far as like, I hate to say late, but you know, I'll just say recent Tim Curry performances, I think one that really uh, is sort of him 
doing what he does best is it's a a, a videotaped production of a stage show that Eric Idle did called What About Dick? Have you heard about that? No, no, I haven't. Okay, so years ago, uh, Eric Idle was trying to get a, a movie made that was sort of a parody of um, Merchant Ivory films called uh, Remains of the Piano. Oh, yes, I have and, heard about and, that. Yes, and What About Dick? Is he reworks that script and makes it a musical. Um and huh. it's it, it's not a play. It's one of those things where you know actors are just in front of microphones. It's sort of a live radio play, but people aren't really walking around. Russell Brand plays plays one of the parts, and, and Tim Curry plays Reverend Whoopsie, <laughs> and um, I, he might even. I'm trying to think. Eric Idle is at the plays the part of the piano, which has <laughs> dialogue, but it's. It's very amusing. They did release it on DVD. Um, Billy Connolly's in it. it. You know, it's a very loose film thing. You see people laughing on stage, and they don't try to hide it. And they're sort of making each other crack up. But it's, um, in fact, in, in one of the little interviews on, on there, Russell Brand said he was so excited to work with Tim Curry that he started jumping up and down uh, and pushing on his shoulders. And Tim Curry says, I'm... Please don't do that. You're going to knock me over. I'm not as stable as I used to be. Um, but I would say another you know, recent Tim Curry performance that is very much in his wheelhouse is as the villain in Color of Magic. Oh, yes. Yeah, based on uh, the Terry Pratchett's first Discworld novel. I think a bit of the second one, too, isn't it? With... Well, actually, it's mostly the second one, The Light is Fantastic. But e- but even then, b- both of those books you could kind of put together into one long novel, and it, and no one would notice. And I've heard they're doing some new Discworld things on BBC. Uh yeah, I think they're doing it. They've got another miniseries in development. Do you think that's a series they'll continue? Um... I think it's inevitable. I mean, he sadly, you know, Terry, Terry Pratchett did pass away due to uh, pneumonia not too long ago, and you know, I'm, I'm, st- I'm still, I'm still feeling that loss because Terry Pratchett was a, a very big influence on me, and I just devoured his books. Um, but like, he, he's, he, in, in a way, he's probably the iconic 20th century British author, uh, or, or early 21st century British author, more so than than J.K. Rowling. I, I I have a hunch, mm. I have a hunch his books are going to be kind of like out the Alice books or the Oz books. They're never going to go away, uh, and they're going to continue to influence people. So I think it's only appropriate that the BBC is going to adapt another one as a miniseries. And what's interesting is um, they want to call it the Watch. So it'll be about the City Watch. Ooh, nice. There there were a lot of City of uh, City Watch novels. And there's there's some of his best. What do you say? It's a series that you have to read in order, or not really? No, I would say no. Most most Discworld books do stand very well on their own, even if they they do continue from previous installments. Um, that being said, if you are going to read any of them in order. Probably the watch books are the ones that would benefit the most from being read in chronological order because the first book the watch appears in, they really are this ramshackle failed part of the of the gov of like 
they're, they're like a failed government agency. They're, they're, they're a bunch of layabouts and drunkards and gamblers, and there's only a handful of them, and they're only there to create the illusion of peace and security in Ankh-Morpork, the disc's largest, most developed city. But by the final book that Terry Pratchett wrote that The Watch appeared in, they are a storied, respected organization uh, staffed by Ankh-Morpork's best and brightest. Um, they've, 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 they've grown into something big and powerful and, and, and just uh, in a way that you wouldn't have predicted based on their first appearance. And, it, and it's really good, yeah. it's really fulfilling to see the watch and particularly uh, the people who make up the watch grow as characters. Such as Carrot and uh, Commander Vimes. I'm a bit surprised that we've never seen a movie or TV series, speaking of sort of comedic fantasy, of the Xanth books. Huh. You know, you'd think that would have been the type of thing that the Disney Channel would have optioned as a direct-to-TV thing back in the uh, 90s. Yeah, probably taking up some of the sex stuff. I recall in the first one of the first books, he literally plants wild oats into the ground, which make a, a, a nude woman for him. Yeah, I guess we ought to explain. Uh, if you're if you're yeah. reading Xanth, get ready for puns. Everything is pun based. A lot of pun based, um, yeah. And but I mean, it's pretty nuts. I didn't realize there's 41 books in the Xanth series. Here's Anthony still cracking away at him. Okay, we've gone on <laughs> tangents here, but hey, should... you, before before we get into our our excerpt, do you know what we forgot to mention? What. Tone Loke was cut a check for Ace Ventura Jr. Pet Detective because his expository rap from the first film appears in this movie twice. Once when Ace goes back to school after having sort of learned about his past and he's wearing the Ace Ventura costume and he's really leaning into the, the part. And then again over the credits. So you're saying the kids film has a song that has such a, that has Jim Carrey vocals like a, I have a lot of pussy cats, that is. Well, uh, yes, actually it does. Uh, to, uh, which I guess that means Jim, as he performed on that track, I guess that means Jim got a uh, got a check as well. Unless, of course, they removed his vocals and replaced him with the sound alike, but that seems like way too much work for this movie. Yep. Um, all right, let's, let's do this scene. Uh, I'll play the part of the girl. All right. And he'll be Ace Ventura Jr. And to set up the scene, he um, he has a crush on uh, this lady, Laura, and um, he's knocking at the door, and she answers the door. So, uh, knock, knock, knocky, knock. Hi, Ace. Oh my God, you're pretty. What? Uh, uh your koi fish. She's a uh, itty bitty. Yeah, she sure is. Much like a grunion. Stand aside, ma'am. Clues don't find themselves. Hey, Oxnard, while I'm young. And then you his know, dog carries his yeah. detective kit inside. That scene strikes me as something more from, like, Liar Liar Jr. than, uh... <laughs> He'll be making junior sequels to all Jim Carrey movies. Right. Uh, I, I neglected to mention, you know, they had uh, one reference to Ace... Uh, one reference I liked to the first Ace Ventura... It's showing how he tries all these things at school and nothing's, he doesn't seem to fit in. And there's a talent show, and all he does is he goes up and goes, oh, just like Jim Carrey did when he was uh, at the crime scene in Ace Ventura 1. 
Oh, yeah, I completely forgot about the extracurricular montage. It's not much of a montage, but it's... Um, the, spe- the-, the spelling bee was a bit hackneyed only because the word he was given to spell was anti-disestablished Montarianism, which is... That, that has been the go-to big word for spelling-based comedy since the, since the late 80s. We really should retire that. <laughs> Well, you know, I have a, a, a spelling story that we can close out on. Ooh, cool. And uh, I was in third grade, and uh, every week we'd have a, a spelling sort of test where we had to write ten spelling words. We had to spell them, right? Um, mm-hmm. And one week the teacher thought it'd be fun, oh, that uh, people should submit words to put in a spelling, uh, for a spelling test. Oh, dear. And uh, the students did, and that was the hardest test. And I, I submitted a word that Everyone except me got incorrect. Oh, what My was the word? word? Camouflage. Huh. It's a challenging word to spell, especially if you're learning spelling, because it doesn't isn't spelled uh, how it sounds. Oh, that that's true. It is one of those tricky words. And camouflage, for those that are wondering, is spelled C A M O U F L A G E. And actually, isn't isn't that one of those loan words that we got from French, or am I thinking of something I, I, else? I would guess so from the spelling. Um, isn't this fun, listeners? <laughs> I'm looking this up. Welcome yes, to the yes, spelling yes. cast. From the French, camouflure, which it literally translates as to disguise. Cool. Correct. But yeah, so next time we'll, we'll discuss um, both episodes... Of the, the, of the Ace, Ventura. Ace Ventura mask animated uh, crossover, and um, after that, we'll of course look at Mask and uh, Son of Mask for sequel cast two. Uh, this is Matt, and this is Thrasher. You can follow me on Twitter at Internet Mayor. Follow me on Twitter at MATWBT. Leave us a a good review on um, iTunes or the Apple Podcast app or wherever fine podcasts can be found. Uh, we'd greatly appreciate it. That helps us in the ranking, just helps us get the downloads, blah, 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 blah. Um, what else? Yeah. I can't think right now. <laughs> well, I think I think you need to say something, then I need to say something, then you need to say something, and then I need to put a button on it. Of course. Uh, so, uh, first sequel cast to you, and this is Matt. And this is Thrasher. Same. Ugly animals deserve equal treatment and equal respect. Communication! Then they'll understand. Things can always end up this way. And I've explained to the animals. Brained all the animals. Thought and talk and brained all the animals. We were talk back to...